This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. Welcome to this month's Jodbyte. Joining me in the studio is Shabazz Chowdhury, who is working in plasma physics. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Shabazz. I'm working with Philippa Browning at, at the Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. I'm looking at the solar coronal heating problem. So a good place to start then. What is the solar corona heating problem? So the solar coronal heating problem is where the solar corona is around a million degrees hotter than the surface of the sun known as the photosphere, which is part of the sun that's responsible for producing light. And we are are trying to understand why that is the case. Okay, so that's an unexpected thing for it to be much hotter than the surface of the sun. Yeah, because you assume that the further from the core you get, where all the heat is generated, the temperature would decrease and not spike suddenly as you move further and further away from the core. Very interesting, then, and an unsolved problem in physics. What's your attempt, then? How are you trying to solve this problem? There are many different mechanisms at play, and one is uh, something called MHD waves, which is just a plasma wave. However, what I'm looking at is these um, tiny flux tubes on the surface of the sun. And what I'm studying is how they dissipate heat energy and and lead to heating. Okay, to get started with that then, what is a flux tube? So a flux tube is literally, as as you say, a tube that's bent um, often around regions of open magnetic field lines, such as sunspots and often the magnetic field lines exit out of one sunspot and enter uh, through another. And sunspots are often, they often have different polarities and different hemispheres. So say on the northern hemisphere, for example, it could have a positive polarity. The negative, hem- on the southern hemisphere, it could have a negative polarity. And then you can have, uh, you can have magnetic field lines connecting the two sunspots and then have a certain cylindrical geometry between them. Okay, that's starting to make sense. And you now, I suppose, are trying to use this to explain why the corona is as hot as it is. Yep, because the, there's, no, there's not really any conduction in the corona. So it's basically a vacuum. And so one of the mechanisms we're looking at is these flux tubes to kind of see how... Um, magnetic energy could be converted into thermal energy and lead to heating. So you now have magnetic energy, you need to convert it into thermal energy. What's your theory of why this is happening? So what happens is in the sun, because it's a a hot ball of plasma, you have lots of random motion and convective motion beneath these so-called regions of open field lines, which can twist the magnetic field at the foot points of the flux tube this can kind of like twist the magnetic field up more and more over time and at a point where it reaches a critical threshold like there's too much twist the energy has to release itself it does so through a process known as magnetic reconnection which is the mechanism by which uh, magnetic field lines are broken and actually the breaking the the distance of the breaking field line is proportional to the energy released 
So you could imagine initially there being quite a spirally flux tube and after a while it becomes less spiraled after releasing, releasing a certain amount of energy. Okay, then clearly that energy can heat the corona. Yeah, that's what we're postulating. Give us a brief sort of explanation of what the maths is that you're using for this because it must be quite difficult working out how much energy is released, which I suppose is what you want to know. Okay, so the maths involved is, so we use a theory which is known as relaxation theory. It's not what you do when you go home and you sit on the couch. <laughs> oh, it's a bit, it's a bit more um, tedious, tedious than that. Initially, we have a function for the energy of the system, and then we can minimize that. So we have an initial state, and then after minimizing, we have a final state for the energy, and we can calculate the difference between the two to find out the energy released, and then that can kind of give us an estimate for the energy released from one flux tube, for example. Okay, so what's the advantage of working things out this way? Okay, the advantage of working things out this way is that you just deal with the initial and final states, which is quite helpful when you have things like turbulence and difficult non-linear effects, which are quite hard to solve exactly. Okay, so you get an approximate which means you don't need to do the maths of that turbulence. I'd say we get an exact value of the final energy. How, However, it's almost a cheat that we can get the final energy without dealing with all this complex intermediate behaviour, which is quite nice, actually. Actually, relaxation theory, which looks at the relaxation of the field lines, what I explained before with the initial twisting and then the relaxation to like a lower twist was first done inside of a tokamak so in a laboratory plasma so the energy release has already been confirmed experimentally ah that's clever that's good mm. and that experiment then are you getting energies from that that seem reasonable or seem like they should be able to explain the heating problem the energies the energies that we obtain do seem reasonable. The main reason we can't confirm this absolutely is because we lack the resolution to see all of these uh, flux tubes. Because the, the kind of flux tubes that we are looking for are so-called uh, nano-flux tubes, which mean that they are smaller than the average flux tube that you would see on the sun. So the order of length we're looking at is typically 150 kilometers long. And imagine the sun's radius is many, many magnitudes higher than that. And it'd be quite a difficult task for a space-based telescope to count the number of these so-called nano-flux tubes. Uh, okay, I suppose you need to look for the smaller ones because you need to know how many there are, roughly. Yeah. And, and with the larger ones, often the energy just escapes into space in terms of a solar flare. So most of the energy is just ejected. And that's one of the main reasons we look for the smaller so-called nanoflares, which which could uh, be responsible for coronal heating. I think one last question then. You've talked about these twists appearing in magnetic fields, in these loops. Roughly, how does that happen? So, again, as I said, underneath the flux 
tubes you have convective motion which sort of twists the magnetic field in the flux tube further so when the relaxation actually happens is when there's an instability arising known as a kink instability and you can try this at home if you have a rubber band and you twist it many times and you keep twisting it and you can kind of see that it kinks and when it kinks that can lead to reconnection and then basically what happens is there's there's less twist in the resulting flux tube okay and that provides your energy well thank you for that that was a very interesting little talk on solar physics thank you i'm glad you enjoyed it and i hope everyone learns something from it okay back to the studio